Are you ready? Can't the New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're gonna win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Burn, very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don and unbelievers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live on the Elite Sports Radio Network from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. And, as always, I am joined by my co-host and colleague, live from Houston, Texas, everybody, Michael Lagaris. Mike, say what's up to everybody. What up, Jet Nation? What's going on? The topic that we were not able to get to last week because it literally broke right after we started our show. Actually, I should say, right after we finished the show, Mike, was... Teddy Bridgewater. Now, we'll touch on it real quick. Didn't even touch on it last week, like we said, because it happened the day of the release of the show. Got a third-round pick. Also traded away a sixth pick. It does seem like Mikey Mack made a tremendous move here. I think everyone gave it a thumbs up. You signed Teddy Bridgewater. Low risk, high reward. Only had a million dollars guaranteed. Ended up getting a third-round pick. Great move. Which is tremendously valuable in the NFL, Mike. Good job by Mikey Mack. I thought Mike McCannon did a great job. He just turned, like you said, about a million dollars, really $800,000 worth of value invested in a young quarterback and turned him around for a third-round pick. There was risk in trying to keep him on the roster. There could have been a chance that he had gotten hurt later on in practice or that no other quarterback in the, in the league would have gotten hurt and, and his value would have dropped and we would have lost him. So I think he saw an opportunity, sent Teddy, he, the, the, the franchise loves who Teddy Bridgewater is. Ted, Teddy Bridgewater is in a tremendous situation over there in New Orleans as the backup and heir to Drew Brees and the who dat, those saints. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm real happy for young Teddy. I think Mike McCagden did a great job here. I mean, Mike McCagden has a great track record of trading. It's just his drafts have been a little bit of suspect. No, absolutely. Talking about that with a fellow Jet fan, Chris Fox, today. Exactly about that exact topic, Mike. And like you just mentioned a moment ago, you don't know. Now, Teddy Bridgewater has been healthy so far. Hasn't taken. He took one or two big hits in the preseason. But, you know, do we know if he's going to be healthy for the long term? If, if you do this now and you get rid of him now, you don't have to assume that risk. You get the third round pick. Uh, you're yep. in a position where you know the future is Sam Darnold anyway. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. I give it a thumbs up. I'm very happy about it. And I'm, I'm sure at the end of this year, he'll be a free agent. The Saints will be looking to bring him back. Let's get to our quarterback situation for a moment, Mike. Sam Darnold. The chosen one. Officially named the starter. Starting quarterback of the New York Jets, officially the youngest starting quarterback in the history of the NFL. Can you believe that, people? I mean, that's a tremendous stat, an amazing an amazing little factoid that will always be attached to Sam Darnold forever. But I know being the youngest to ever start week one, that alone is going to have a little bit of pressure. Maybe he doesn't seem like someone that would actually bother him, Mike. Week one for the Jets, where I wonder if his poise that he showed during the preseason, Mike, and a whole lead-up to the regular season, I wonder if that's something that's going to continue and he'll exhibit week one and as the season goes on. Well, the Jet Brass does believe that he mentally can handle it. That's the reason why they chose him to be the starting quarterback of the New York Jets. They feel that the young man is older than what he already is. He's able to understand and break down defenses in the playbook and schemes. He's able to work on the, the, the line of scrimmage and be able to make those 
those audibles and, and uh, RPO plays. And we'll get into the game. We'll preview the game in a moment, Mike, after we speak to my dad in a little bit. But let's get into what the main topic of conversation in the NFL this week. They cast all these people off into the island of misfit toys of the NFL. The final waiver cut of the preseason. One thing I want to mention before we get into our team and the guys that made it and didn't make it, some of the people that stood out, Mike, it's very interesting to me that this many people got cut in the NFL. Maybe around, they said it was over a thousand people, right, Mike? The New York Jets, out of all these guys that got cut, we couldn't through the first way through find one guy to pick up. I know subsequently they've they've signed somebody, uh, you know, they signed a defensive player off free agency, but the first way through for the Jets who have the six waiver claim to not grab anyone was a little interesting. Maybe that was, I don't know if that was contractual or what it was. That, would, that stood out to me. I mean, who stood out to you? Who were the guys that they cut? that you were surprised by? Well, as we discussed last week, we already knew Lorenzo Malden was out of here. He wasn't getting any time in practice. He wasn't playing in any of the really the plays of the preseason, uh, only in, you know, trash time. So we already knew Malden was getting cut. A surprise cut for me was Kevin Minter and Trey McBride, Dylan Donahue, and Frankie Louvu. Those guys really surprised me and I really thought Frankie Louvu, I mean, you and I talked about it last week. I thought Frankie Louvu was definitely making the team. But I, after uh, doing a little bit more research, he can hit. And he's violent when he hits. And a lot of play, a lot of our fans like the way he plays. We really study and see the way he actually takes his angles on trying to go in and go after the quarterback. He's a little bit non-discipline on some um, on running some of his routes so they put him on the practice squad he's got talent he's young i think he can be molded into a, a player for the future yeah big bribe was someone that i was very surprised to make the squad my dylan donahue somebody that i know had a mistake with the dewey going the wrong way i think in the lincoln tunnel he says we're going the wrong way oh he's drunk obviously <laughs> obviously <laughs> Obviously, that's not a good look, uh, but if your play on the field is good enough, I don't know if that's going to hold you back from making the team. So, you no, know, I think maybe he's just playing the preseason and maybe last year as well is one of the reasons he got chopped. Luvu is an interesting one, Mike, because did have some violent hints. It did seem like when he got to the point of contact in the ball, he was obviously very strong, but maybe he, maybe his angles and his, his head yeah. just needs to get in the right place to be an NFL player. Malden, of course, was someone you knew was going to get chopped, Mike. We also had Jacandrick West, Chad Hansen. I hate to say that I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. I, I, I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. Uh, Who I predicted was going you to be did, chopped. And you did a good job. I mean, we didn't think that Trey McBride was going to get cut, but you're right. Hanson got cut, and he got ended up getting picked up with the Patriots. Unreal. Yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. I mean, he goes to the Patriots. Can you can you even possibly believe that? I and then you th then you have, I mean, Thomas Rawls, we knew was going to get cut. Walford. Uh, Bertolette got cut. We kept Myers, but maybe in the next coming days we might be signing Dan Bailey. I hope so, but uh, he like worked out today. Uh, not, no news on that. I think they're also bringing another kicker in from Kansas City uh, who got cut, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Right now, Myers is our kicker. That seems like that's the way they're going to go unless they bring Bailey back in. Uh, unless they bring Bailey in, who does have the second highest, I think he's the second most accurate kicker in the history of the NFL, Mike, that's, which is very correct. interesting. That's correct. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's that's notable. I know last year he did have a groin injury, and I think that led into maybe what his numbers are. They could be slightly misleading. I don't know 100% what went down with Dallas, but I do know it would be an upgrade for us if we can get our hands on him. He also had a, a fullback position. Dimitri Flowers got cut. Charles Johnson got cut. Uh, I know Ijelana is going to be on, on the IR, I think. Is he going to start the year on the IR, Mike? Uh, that's right. Yeah, and they had, a, I think, an injury settlement with Lucky Whitehead, so he's not going to be He didn't make the team. I know Stewart's going to be suspended for a few games. Is there anyone else, Mike, uh, besides those guys that got caught that you were surprised by, or is it mostly the usual 
suspects, the guys that you knew were in there to be camp bodies, but probably didn't have a real shot. Well, if you you look at our outside outside linebackers, we've got Josh Martin and Jordan Jenkins starting, and then you got Brandon Copeland, and we've got uh, Jeremiah Atachu, who we picked up, the guy who we just picked up from the Chargers. Right now, you know, David Bass and Kevin Minter being let go, especially how well David Bass played last year for uh, the injured Jordan Jenkins and whenever he uh, filled in for the outside linebacker spot. I'm just surprised that both of those guys had got cut. I mean, David Bass had three and a half sacks last year for the Jets, so uh, it was pretty sad to see those two go as well. Guys that stood out that made the team that I, I guess as I guess last week I didn't even realize had as much of a chance of being cut as they as they did as the week went on and I read some of the reports was Trenton Cannon who did make the squad Mike who the whole the whole preseason we were talking about probably going to make the team probably going to make the team he did so we were correct but some maybe some of his fumbles on special teams limited his value to the Jets when it came to the team because that, that's a role they wanted to put him in I don't think they're going to do that now I think they're going to put Andre Roberts there uh, I know Lawrence Thomas made the, the team at fullback Dimitri Flowers like we said got cut I don't know if he really wasn't healthy through most of the preseason, Mike. So, I mean, I don't know how much of a surprise that is. Right. I mean, Trent Cannon is the third running back, and he's also back up to Andre Roberts for both punt return and kick return. So, he has some value there. Personally, I thought Kendrick West should have made it over Trent Cannon. I think Kendrick West is a more talented running back, but uh, I think they've seen some explosiveness in this young man, and they went with him. Also, Sherryon Peak ended up making the team. He also made the team because of special teams. So, you know, when making the, the 50 it's not just about the position you play, but it's also about what other value you bring. And if you bring special teams pl- good play to the team, you have a better chance of making the team. And we can say that about Trenton Cannon and Sharon Peak as an example. Roberts and Sharon Peak, those two guys at wide receiver, they're both basically going to be special teams players. I mean, Anderson, Curse, Anua, and Pryor will get most of the looks, I think, Mike, as the year moves on. Right. So, I mean, that's our six receivers right there. Elijah McGuire will be back week six, so he's on the team. Crowell, Powell, Trenton Cannon. Obviously, we know who the quarterbacks are. Tomlinson made the squad. Neil Sterling made the squad. Herndon and Leggett, Mike. You did yeah. what you thought. You thought they'd all make the team, all four of those guys, and Walford would get cut. I did. Uh, and you were correct. I mean, the offensive line is one of the the places, Mike, where I'm, I am a little worried. I am worried. I, yeah, if you look at the depth chart, you got Kevin Beecham, and right behind him, you have Brent Quale. And Brent Quale shouldn't even be in the NFL. I mean, you know, as funny as as, as you and I would make fun of Antonio Garcia getting knocked over with by little boys with balloons, uh, you could say the same type of thing about Brent Quale. I mean, this guy is inefficient. He's really a right a backup right guard at best. And uh, if Sam Darnold is out there with Brent Quale as the left tackle, um, it could spell really bad news for the young man. I didn't know today was burial day. Coming in like The Undertaker, Mike, dropping knowledge on people. But if it's going to be that day, go ahead, hit the music there. There goes Paul Bearer. Put people in the caskets and closing the casket laid on top. Mike holding it down. I I hear something. Someone starting at defensive line. Destiny arrives. <laughs> and it's a rookie. I think it's here. What should I say? I think I hear a voice. I am. Name is Nathan Shepard, everybody. The Canadian Thanos. Thanos. <laughs> how many how many rings he's got going into Monday night? You think six? He's got all six? I think that he's not going to play. He's going to immediately first play, snap the fingers. My fingers. They would all cease to exist. Everyone on the other sideline drops to dust. <laughs> 
and we just we just stomp him out. He's gonna be going through off. He's gonna be going through offensive linemen like Thanos running through uh, people out there in the African bush. Just, I can't wait. <laughs> love it, love it, and it. You know, he, he's starting along with uh, Leo and McClendon. Uh, nothing surprising there. Now that's that's quite. I mean, those three guys together. That's some size right there. That's size. Absolutely, absolutely. That's some monsters. And Pinnell's actually pretty big, too. Fatukasi's no slouch, so we got a whole bunch of monsters there. And Henry, Henry Anderson also made the team. Outside linebacker, Mac, we got Josh Martin, Copeland, Jenkins. I know we just obviously just made one addition to uh, to the outside linebacker group in free agency as well. Uh, inside linebacker, Avery Williamson, obviously, Darren Lee, and Neville Hewitt, your boy. My boy! Neville Look. Hewitt has had a tremendous uh, preseason. And we suggested might be someone who nobody knows his name now, but it's going to make the squad. He did make the squad. Right. So and as you move forward, everybody whose ears are listening to this right now, just remember AEBG. We're calling it here first. We're doing it on a weekly basis. Tune in. Tell your friends. That's what's up. Over here at cornerback, Mike Morris, Claiborne, Tremaine Johnson. They're going to be our one and two. And it looks like Dow Roberts, Buster Screen, Nickerson, Burris, who you're not a fan of. I'm not a fan. And I cannot believe that they ended up cutting uh, Xavier Coleman instead of uh, Justin Burris or just keeping Justin Burris off the team. I think he's a disaster and he shouldn't even be on the squad. But I think once, uh, yeah, once Rashard Robinson gets off the suspended list, I believe Justin Burris will be cut. Oh, okay. Well, there's another hot take by Michael. He's not He's not playing around today, guys. Just remember, when he comes to the ring and you hear this... <laughs> Start running. We also got Derek Jones at cornerback. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Dan Perry Nickerson is the fastest player that was in the NFL draft this year. He's going to be end up being, being the slot guy. So cornerbacks looks pretty solid. Our safety position where we got Doug Middleton, May, Wilcox, Adams, Terrence Brooks, all those guys. Obviously, Adams and May stand out. Doug Middleton's been tremendous in the preseason. Look, look for a lot of three safety sets this year. They're really deep, and they're going to be lining up uh, Jamal Adams more of like a linebacker to rush the passer. So watch watch that. I, I, I read in a few cases that they're going to be running a lot of three safety box sets. That's something they've done in the preseason this year. Yeah. When they, they had Middleton in there, Marcus May Adams or Middleton Adams, Brooks or Wilcox, it's a combination of those guys. It's actually uh, been pretty interesting. I know that's something that Todd Bowles liked to do when he was coaching in Arizona, Mike. Go ahead and go ahead on to the specialist, Mike. Maybe the kicker position still to be determined. We'll see what happens with Dan Bailey. Myers, as of now, is our kicker. It looks like going into the season. Lachlan Edwards is going to be the punter. Thomas Hennessy. Uh, the long snapper, the greatest position of all professional football, the long snapper. I mean, you have to make the NFL minimum if you're a long snapper. That's the greatest job ever, Mike. Yeah. And you know, hey, Keith, and you earn a spot, then you earn that spot. And and Myers kicking that 58-yard field goal in preseason and making it. You know what? You got it, brother. You got it. Good for you. Good for you. You just got a big up from the ABG podcast, Myers. And you went to Maris. The Maris Red Foxes who we also happen to know a former Red Fox tight end, Mike. Nicholas Kronk, who, and I'll just put it out there on the airwaves now just for the world to know, did get trucked <laughs> over by Tom Bertucci in a football game when we were seniors. Um, just to put it the podcast. That's just an inside joke, everyone. That's not, that'll, we'll edit that out. That's not going to make the air. That's not right. It is now time for... Oh Hello, what's up, everybody? Mike's. You're a professional. I'm a professional. News app. Devastation to the locker room. Notes. It's the home of the Jets! Michael Garris' news and notes, everyone. It's the most expensive podcast intro ever. And it's all for you, Mike. Everyone wants to hear what you got this week, so go ahead. 
I'm telling you, through the time I've been a fan, um, our team has had a lot of a lot of nicknames. You know, there was the sack exchange back in the day. Uh, you know, when uh, Darrell Revis came on, they called him Revis Island. And I'm hearing now in 2018 that there's a new name, a new nickname that's being associated with the gang green. You know what it is? What could it possibly be? I have no guesses. It's called New Jack City. Wesley Snipes. I think the American justice system is the greatest in the world. I'm off. A little bit of iced tea. It's personal. New Jack City coming in strong. But I'll say this to you, Mike. Before we, before I get too, too carried away with New Jack City, I'm going to I'm gonna lay it down to you like this. The truth. Let me speak the truth to you, Michael. You're not allowed to have a nickname until you've done something and been a good defense. You have to be ranked high or have some type of, some type of spectacular play week after week to be named... New Jack City, don't are you? Are you think it's a little presumptuous to get? You think you're getting a little ahead of themselves, uh, Mike? Or are you are you signing off on this? I I no, I agree with you. They they don't have the official name yet. But can I give you some statistics on how this group has performed in the preseason? I would love to hear these. So, New Jack City, targeting Jamal Adams, Marcus May, Tremaine Johnson, Parry Nickerson, Derek Jones, and Rashard Robinson this preseason. There were 34 total targets. Of those targets, there were 16 catches, so 47% completion percentage. 99 yards, all, all preseason, 2.9 yards a target. Five first downs, only five first downs, 15%. No touchdowns, one interception, five pass breakups, and the quarterbacks rated at about an average of 41.5 quarterback rating, New Jack City. But like Keith said, you don't get that name until you actually produce in the regular season. So excited as we are, uh, you guys got to go out and do it. But you definitely did it in preseason. I mean, preseason, I mean, what you just said, that's tra- that way, that translates over to the regular season. Then the secondary is pretty much a locked out secondary. And that'll make things a lot easier for the people in front of them if they know in back of them. Everybody has things on lockdown. Their guys are covered tight. They're playing smart. You can blitz more. <clears throat> you can be more creative when you have guys in the back. You can trust Mike. I think the nickname is tremendous, and I'm going to sign off on it. Okay, we're going to go ahead. We're going to give it the stamp, but I just want them to produce in the first month of the season the defense, or else we're going to have to take the stamp away. That's the agreement I'm going to come to with New Jack City. I'm going to sign off on it. I might even make them a little special New Jack City audio segment for the show for ABG now that I know of this. Okay, maybe we'll get, yeah. the, production, maybe we'll get, to get the production team involved. Uh, I know the show budget, Mike. I might have to just blow it all. Just blow every dollar on the show budget on a brand new New Jack City theme for these guys. Maybe we'll, we'll send it over to them. We'll see what they think about it. I think as long as they play good, Mike, you can call yourself whatever the hell you want, and Jet fans will not give a single you-know-what. The situation uh, kind of got heavy. All right, everybody. Now we have a little special segment for you. Our very first guest on the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. Like we said, Mike, we want to take the podcast to the next level. And if we're going to do that, we got to bring in the big-time guest, don't we? we got to grab the big guns, brother. Someone that has watched the Jets for maybe six decades. None other than my dad, Andy Farrell's... Mike, how you doing? Hey, I'm Mr. Farrell. Okay. Being a Jet fan, obviously, not the easiest path. That's why our podcast is called Ain't Easy Being Green. Mm-hmm. My dad has endured this now for quite a long time. When do you think you started being a Jet fan, Dad? Well, the AFL started 1959. Uh, my first Jet game I went to at the Polo Grounds in New York City in 1962. I was 11 years old. The Jets played the Dallas 
Texans, who are now the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, wow. See, look, yes, they are. You retain all that. See, when you're younger, all, all those facts stick in there. <laughs> the Polo Grounds. Oh, well, the New York Giants the New York played. Giants, the New York Baseball Giants played there. 155th Street, 8th Avenue. Willie Mays running Willie around there. Oh, and that's where the original, that, that was when the Jets were the Titans. You started being the a Jets fan? were the Titans at the time. And I remember the first game I went to was a Saturday night. And I think was, there was a gentleman that came from my neighbor. His name was Melvin Poppick. <laughs> Mel, shout know, out. Shout out to Melvin Poppick. I don't know if he's still around <laughs> But Mel was like a clubhouse boy for the Titans because the league was was new. It was in his infancy. Oh, you had a hook. And I Mel, like it. We had a hook. You had a hook. An we inside guy. I got down there. It, it, was, one, it was the first time. I, I was the first football game I was ever, ever, ever went to. And, and that's when the Jets wore the gold and blue? No, Is that no, what it was? They, yellow and they, blue? They had the dark blue, dark blue jerseys, gold pants, okay. blue helmets with a yellow, with, with a gold stripe down the middle. Yeah. It wasn't long after that that the Jets actually found some success. Yes, they, they, they did. They drafted Joe Namath right in the middle of six. 1965, 1965, I they drafted Joe Willie. That must have been tremendous. Oh, watch <laughs> Joe in college. Yeah. I'll tell you, you can see what what he was going to be. He has such poise down there. And I'll tell you something. Joe could run in college. Oh, yeah. I mean, Joe could sprint. I mean, Joe could, uh, Joe could do a lot of that. But he, he, tore, he tore that knee up in college. That's why when he when Joe came to the pros, he had to become a pocket passer because he couldn't move horizontally. He stayed in a pocket. Yeah, he'd be more so cerebral. He, exactly. Right. And, yes, and that's why he threw a lot of interceptions and he, because he could move out of the pocket. A little bit of mobile. Yes. But, but before that, when he was at, and Mike, I think I mentioned to you the name it documentary that's on HBO. Yeah. Oh, don't Any Jet it. fan or anyone out there listening to this podcast should definitely check that out. That's actually awesome. Don't miss it. Even if you're not a Jet fan. Right. And they showed some of his you know his old footage Mike of him running around and you'd be surprised Joe Namath could move yes he could but when he got drafted by the Jets he was number one I think in the he AFL the num- draft he was the number one pick in the AFL draft of 65 the leagues had not merged yet so the NFL was also drafting he also and got drafted and, number 12 and he got drafted the... number first round 12th pick by the St. Louis Cardinals St. Louis Cardinals that's and I think man. they might have been the Chicago Cardinals then I'm not sure but they were the Cardinals now back then yeah. I mean this is something not a lot of people know already but just for people from New York know the AFL and the Jets were they at that point and it might even be similar now to a degree but at that point were they kind of looked at as like a second class team oh gosh or was that looked at as a lower league than the oh, NFL yeah. oh no doubt in my mind no doubt in my mind the AFL was like the clown league what? like it was just like they were yeah. just weren't uh, kind of had funny uniforms but they, but they were exciting I mean they, they were they were throwing a Daryl LaMonica come out of uh, out of Notre Dame yeah. Johnny Hewitt Lance Allworth Lance Allworth came from uh, I think Oklahoma they put together an all AFL team back in I think 1967 68. I'll have you know that on that team are three Jets. Wow. Larry Grantham, Joe Namath, and Don Maynard. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Don all, all AFL team. All-time team. All right. All right. Where did Don Maynard play college football? Don Maynard played uh, Texas or Texas Tech. Yeah, I thought it was Texas. Uh, I'm not sure. But Don Maynard played originally with the Giants, and the Giants cut him. Yeah, they cut him. Said he was too small and too slow. So, and the rest is history. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Giants. That's one of our only Hall of Famers. <laughs> so, Mr. So, Mr. Yeah. Farrell, was it the the new AFL? Was was the excitement of this new league and the Titans what you inspired you? to actually go down the road of becoming a Jet fan, Vice being a fan of the New York Giants, an established football team in the city? You know, Mike, I've got to tell you something. I was more of a baseball fan and a basketball fan. I enjoyed football. Mm -hmm. You couldn't get a ticket to to go see the Giants, Mm -hmm. but you were able to get tickets, and and there was a lot of tickets available for the AFL and and down at at the Polo Grounds. So you're, you're able to get to games. So... The Titans to the Jets to the uh, yeah. to, 
to the present, and, and I, I've, I've always gone for them, always gone for them. And that makes sense sometimes, especially yeah. where you were in the Bronx growing up down yes. there. If that's the game that you have access to, you get to. Exactly. You the most money in the world, especially. That's where well, you're going. We go right on the train, get to go get on the D train, go up 155th yeah. Street. Yeah. And Quartz. the NFL was exciting, and as we know, you got to see, oh, I mean, we're, we're, me and Mike were born many years after this, yeah. so we've yet to see our team win a Super Bowl. Yeah. We've seen us get to the AFC Championship, get close, but not get to the big game. You actually saw probably yeah. one of the most important Super Bowl Absolutely. wins in I understand understand yes. we're Jet fans. It yes. might seem like that's a bit of homerism, and I no, get it. No, no, no. But the, they're still the biggest underdog that's ever won a Super Bowl. Yes. There were 16 and a half point underdogs. Wow. you got to understand that two years prior to that, the Packers destroyed the Raiders, and the Packers destroyed the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs. So here come the New York Jets. Yeah. Right? This, these are the Jets. And they're 16 and a half point dogs. <laughs> And everyone is saying, you guys haven't got a chance, man. This, this, <laughs> you guys haven't got a chance. And I'll tell you something. The Colts were a good yeah. team. Yeah. They sure. were a damn good team. They had a good defense. But uh, Joe is Joe. And he got down there. And I say, he was sitting by the pool. And this, this is a good, quick story. He's sitting down there by the pool. He's got his legs up. And he's saying, you know, you guys you guys aren't giving us a chance. You, you, you know, you think we're, we're going to get cream. 16 and a half point on the doors. He goes, let me tell you something. He goes, we have a good team. I want, I want you to know something. We're going to win this game. No, wait a minute. I'm- been hearing that all week long. I got news for you, buddy. We're going to win the game. I guarantee you. <laughs> Joe Namath, everybody. We're going to win this game. I, goes, I guarantee it. We're going to win what this game. What a legend. He goes, I know what we have. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think he, and I think when he said that, I don't think that was false bravado. Oh, I, I think no, he thought I, he actually he meant it. No, I, he, I think he meant it, for real. He, yeah, he did exactly. mean it. He did mean it. Joe Namath oozed with confidence. He was with confidence. Absolutely. It, it did not make Weeb Eubank very happy. He was the coach. <laughs> and he said, Joe, what are you doing to me? Yeah. You know, things are bad. If you, if, you, if you have the guts to wear some of the things he wore, the fur coat, if you have the guts to have the nylon commercial with his legs, that means you don't give a crap what anyone Joe, thinks. He was so marketable. Yeah. He, was, he was in New York and he had Bachelor's 3. He opened up a club and he, and he had that old expression, I, I like that women blonde, I'm a Johnny Walker red. But that little, <laughs> that little, uh, that little southern drawl of his and he yeah. had the... He had the white shoes he'd wear, but had little tassels on them. Yeah, he had, even looking back now, there's not many people that have a better rap than Joe Namath. Oh, no, no, oh Joe was Joe. You Joe. know, he delivers things and says things, and he became, uh, like a lot of New York sports stars have, but him in a different way, because of the, the time it was, late 60s, early 70s. It was. He, Culturally, he was, it was different. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons Joe Namath became a cultural icon. Yes, he You did. know, if you think of the late 60s, early 70s, you think of Muhammad Ali, right. Joe Namath, certain right. people in right. certain right. sports, yeah. and he's up there, and everyone knew who Joe Namath was. Everybody knew who Joe was, and even Freddie Dreyer said it. Freddie Dreyer was uh, was a defensive end for the Rams. He said people don't understand. Joe Namath did so much for football. He kind of changed the style, and he kind of he, he was a uh, what's good. He, he was he was a rogue. He was a uh, he just had a he just had a different approach. Jeff won the Quite Super Bowl. Were they New York's team? Were they the shining light, the bright, the the team? Joe was the guy in New York City. Well, that's a tough question. If if, if, if you enjoyed the Jets, Joe Joe was always Joe. Yeah, but you always had the the longtime Giant fans and. But uh, after that Super Bowl, people start to take notice. Yeah. They said, wait a second now. This uh, this AFL, this is the... Sure. These, these, these guys are good. These guys can yeah. play, you know? And, and I'll tell you something else. In that Super Bowl, he called 85% of the plays at the line of scrimmage. He told them, look at me at the line of scrimmage. Look at me before we do anything. 85% of the plays he called at the line of scrimmage. Wow. He threw no passes in the fourth quarter. Now, they expected him because they had George Sauer and Don Maiden. Joe was going to go deep. Joe was throwing little flare-outs. He was throwing eight-yard passes yep. to Snell and Boozer. And he was getting them down the field. Wow. See? And they didn't expect that. He's... 
85% of the plays being called from the line of scrimmage. Now, I know um, we're going to get to talk about our young Sam Darnold. One of the biggest things that he has going for him is his ability to call plays from the line of scrimmage. Since uh, Joe, can you name me another Jet quarterback that you've seen that's so cerebral and being able to call plays and read defenses? I would have to say first probably Chad Pennington. Okay. Chad. Chad was very, very calm. Chad wasn't, uh, he wasn't like Joe socially or anything like no, that, no, but, no. but he was just a, a great interview and just a nice person. And you could see when Pennington would go up to the line, Pennington would look, and he didn't, he didn't have a great arm. Well, he also got compromised because yeah. of injury. Right. Yes, he did. Joe, so he, he started off with the problems. Yeah, Chad probably started off with an average arm, and then with injuries, yeah. went to below average, but just because of his mind, exactly was able to get the job yeah. done. Exactly. You know, you look at the, you look at the Dolphins teams when they had really good defenses, and they had Jay Fiedler and all these clowns at quarterback all these years, and then we go ahead, we get Brett Favre, yeah. the Dolphins get Chad Pennington. All they needed was a guy just to manage the games, and he managed to win the division for their team. He beat us. I, he, think. We, I remember. I know. He beat us. Yes, he did. Yeah, we were there. It was unfortunate. <laughs> it was unfortunate. Now, after Joe Namath, Dad, we're going to go through Jets history and your run as a fan. Richard Todd became the Q. Todd, now, Joe yeah. Namath went off. Yeah. Was it the Rams he played on after the Jets? Well, what it was was Joe. When Joe was getting there, getting a little on in years, he couldn't move anymore, and he and he finally wound up with the Rams. The, I mentioned it to Keith a while ago. One of the most disheartening things I, I, I've seen as personally as, as a Jet fan was uh, it, it was raining. It was a Monday night game, and, and you could see he was struggling. And Freddie Dreyer, the gentleman I just mentioned before, had a clear shot of him, and he just put his hands up. Freddie, oh, wow. Dre- Freddie Dreyer just put his hands up. And didn't knock him down. He respected him that he much. He respected wow. him that much. And, and then Joe had a little injury, and he walked off, and they, and they put the cape on him, and uh, that was kind of it. So, yeah. but and, uh, I mean, he's at, at that point, Joe's career he was compromised physically uh, in a knees, major way. His knees, his knees were shot. He wasn't mobile to start with, but with the aging process, it, it, yeah. it, it made it even worse. Plus, his hip was bothering him too. So, so the, I mean, the seventies for the Jets that that was a bit of a dark time. The seventies were the lost years to me. <laughs> Yeah, it was oh. a dark time. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and the, I mean and the Giants also weren't that good of a team all, yeah, uh, yeah, during that yeah. span. Also in nineteen eighty two, the Jets did go to the AFC championship game. I know in eighty six they played the Browns the divisional game. Oh, it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking the, loss. The Browns, Gastineau. We're up by ten points with four minutes to go. Gastineau, uh, Bernie Korsoff fades back, it's third and twenty four. Incompletes the pass. Gastineau, Gastineau roughing the pass. Oh, God. I will never forget it as long as I... I think Walt Michaels was the coach at the time. Walt yeah. Michaels. Third and 24. They get the ball back to score a touchdown. They're down by seven. Mark Mosley ties the game up. Now, Mark Mosley was the last of the straight-on kickers. Straight-on kickers. He wasn't the, uh, yeah. the, the soccer guy. And he took over for Matt Barr. Matt Barr got hurt with about four games left. And they called up Mosley, who was retired. They bring him in, and sure enough, he kicks that oh, time. And then... And then he wins it in overtime. Two overtimes. This guy's at the deli eating an Italian combo, and he gets a call to come beat the Jets. That's, that's jet life right there. You know, even, even Mike, even before we knew what was going on, this was happening. To us. It was but if you do, but the one thing about the, the '80s, the, the mid '80s to yeah. the to the end of the '80s, there and with the sack exchange was exciting. But oh. the reason I think it was so good and a guy that gets forgotten about and isn't discussed much, unless you're a pretty diehard Jet fan, is Joe Clayton. Oh. oh, during during that time. Joe Klecko, he made the he made the Pro Bowl three different positions, which is unheard of. I know Anthony Munoz, one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time, said Klecko's probably the strongest guy he ever went up against. And Munoz was huge. And he, he was, was a monster. Big guy. He was a monster. Yeah, and I know Abdul Salam was great, and Marty Lyons was great, and Gastineau got all the sacks. Yeah, so I give him credit. 
But the reason is because Joe Greco was double teamed. This is, at least when I was younger, that's what I remember is him yes. just mauling people. There were two guys on him all the time. All the, Sometimes three. They throw a third guy on him. But Gastineau was good in his own right, but there's reasons why he got those sacks. Yeah, I, I'm not... Gastineau I'm was... I'm mocking his talent. He was a little overrated. Yes, I, I think mean, so. And so. situationally, I think that he yeah. got a little bit more of the uh, the pub than he should yes. because of his personality. Yeah. yeah, and he's dating Bridget Nielsen, yeah. and he's very outspoken. The guy's mm-hmm. kind of a whack job. But um, Joe Klecko is one of the one of the more underrated players yeah, ever. We got to get we got to get Joe to camp. He's uh, he, we, uh, we, we got to yeah. get him in camp. Yeah, he's been a candidate he, since he, 1994, and he's been he had an impressive career from '77 all the way to '88. So he'll he'll get in there. He he just missed the cut again this year, but hopefully we can get him in there next year. I and hope so. One thing too that's when the Jets moved to the Meadowlands. Yes. And from Shea, yeah. yeah, they moved from Shea Stadium to the Meadowlands, and that's also right around the same time you got started going to the, all the games, season tickets with your yes, friends. Yes, five season tickets with all my other friends. Now, section thir- 336, Three gate D. If you do know, uh, it was a little rowdy back then. Yes, well, what it was was over our left shoulder, we were in the first row, the first or second row down below. Over our left shoulder was, uh, was the fan club of the visiting team. So they were about uh, maybe 15 rows behind our left shoulder. So when you got, you're playing Miami, you're playing the Patriots. Yeah. You know there's going to be words said, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and especially, Mike, especially late 80s, early 90s, back before they had, like, cameras on every scene. Yeah, yeah. People were going flying down the aisle. If you were a fan of the other team, I would just, I, I said to my dad every game, I would see a fight almost every single game. I mean, it happens. But those those games were fun. I remember when I was little, I'd go with my dad and his friends, and they were younger then, too, of course. <laughs> and they would have a few pops, and I saw guys in the parking lot. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. It was a rainy game run full speed and dive on a cooler. Almost like Mike, like it would bobsled it. Or something of that nature. There was a beer can pyramid. And fly across the fly across the parking lot into a pyramid of beer cans. Um, and that's, you know, that's my childhood. Uh, you know, it was your dad who took me to my first tailgate. It was the uh, farm. Oh, yeah, dude. that was my first experience did you, at the Mike, tailgate. Did you, did you enjoy I yourself? I had a blast. It was a whole new world. It was a whole new world. Oh, okay. I didn't know. My dad, my dad would just take me to the games. We had some popcorn and, and hot dogs. You know, I went with you. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? You know, it was so much fun. <laughs> well, I was a product of my environment with my friends there. We did that yeah. all the time. So uh, no, that was the so. Oh, no, that was, we had a great time. And like what I was saying is Gate D was a little rowdy at halftime. What Gate D used to be about back in the day. The New York Post and the Daily News kind of blew our spot a little bit. Yeah. That type of environment you could no longer have existing no. now in 2018. <laughs> no way. But in the late 80s, 90s, and the 2000s even, guys. Uh, Gate D, if you know what I'm talking about, it was... How do you say this, Michael? It was a little rowdy, um, a little risque. There might have been women flashing their boobs and getting money thrown at them. Uh, now oh, this, yes, there was. And this, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not unearthing any secrets, anyone here. If you Google Gate D, you'll see the article. That yeah, 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 yeah. I would bring my friends to the games with me, and they would go home with stories to tell their parents. They probably didn't expect yeah. uh, <laughs> from from a Jet game, but go to those games, even though the Jets weren't the best through those years. They ended up well. They had Joe Walton for a while, and they yeah. had Bruce Costlett. Right. Then they went on to Pete Carroll very briefly. Pete Carroll. Unfortunately, we lost Pete Carroll. Yeah, too. and you know he wasn't great defense. I think he was six and ten. They fired him. Then we had Rich Kotite. Uh, oh, a 
Ouch! Dark year, the, the, the dark years for me. Yeah, my two years as a Jet head coach, four and twenty-eight record. That's garbage. One in fifteen his second year, and then he was history. We know what happened. I remember that, that one in fifteen year. We only beat the Cardinals. I remember that. That was the only team we beat in week seven. The only reason Coach I stayed on was is because the owner Leon Hess liked him. That was it, right? Leon Hess was the boss, yeah. and he just he, he liked Coach Tide and Coach Tide was a Brooklyn boy. He's born and raised. Ah. Yeah. But that was soon after that. At least we had a little a little happiness with Bill Parcells. Yes, we did. We I'll tell you, I was a Parcells fan. But when when Parcells came in, brought with him a winning attitude. He taught the Jets how to win. You know, you may not have all the talent in the world, but utilize utilize what you mm-hmm. have. Yeah, right there. And he and, and he was such a good coach and demanded such respect. We had our 1998 game, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, they went 12 and four. 12 and four. Uh, 1998. And one thing with Parcells is that everywhere he's gone. His teams have always yes. been around 500 to play well because, yes. like you said, he, he instills the confidence yeah. in the team. And when it came to the Jets that year, I don't know if anyone with Vinny Testaverde as our quarterback would have pegged them to go 12-4 and that year. Tremendous. We finally got to go after yeah. all these years of my dad going to the Jet games and me going with them. There's a home playoff game. And which, we went, when we went in a limo. We went in a limo. A limo we took out there. We went out there and stopped yeah. for that. And you could argue. Uh, that was, yeah, and Mr. Fa- was amazing. Mr. Farrell has a great point, you know, saying that, that uh, Bill Parcells taught the organization how to win again. You can argue that after Parcells, the the Jets were competitive. I would agree with you, Mike. Yes. Yeah, and that was that was a nice little run we had. We had uh, that led right into Chad Pennington being our quarterback. Yep. That's yes. of course after Bill Parcell, uh, Bill Belichick resigned as the HC of the NYJs. Well, he was our coach for three, but. But two hours? Two hours. Two hours. And, then he went, and then he left. Yep. He resigned. He was nice enough to send a fax over, at least, uh, and let everybody know that. <laughs> that adds happen, to the, You don't realize that adds to the hatred. Like, like they're they're the mortal enemies of of can't understand how how bad a team could be a thorn in our side, like the New England Patriots. Their coach, the whole story of them is just terrible. Following. I mean, they had their run. They kind of rose to prominence in those early 2000s, right after Parcells left their team. Obviously, Bill Belichick mm-hmm. went there. We know what the Evil Empire did after that. But 2003, we had another playoff game. Yep. The year that Chad came in. And I'll tell you a funny story about that game, Mike. You know, of course, we waited a long time for that Jaguar game. We finally had another home playoff game. I went to, I don't know if you remember, there used to be Captain Videos you can go wait and buy, yes. buy tickets at. Yes. I went ahead and waited at one of those, got myself a ticket, my dad and his friends had their tickets. Big game, it's going to be the Jets and Chad Pennington up against Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis no. Colts. Big underdogs. Oh yeah. We know what the result was in the game, 41 nothing. the Jets whooped, but the funny part is that the night before the game, Mike, I don't know exactly what my dad was biting into, if it was an apple, if it was some type of other delicious treat. Uh-huh. But his bridge, meaning his front two teeth, my top bridge, yeah, yeah, the top bridge, they came out. It's split in half, and it's, it's a sad, it's, it's a Saturday night. Yes, and I and I'm looking for an emergency. De- I have no, I have no time. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to our first home game in how many years? And I, we got ribs and we got chicken and we got all sorts of goodies, and I can't buy this one. <laughs> yeah, it was. But I tell you, I. I couldn't enjoy the food, but I certainly, certainly enjoyed the oh, game. Yeah, yeah. Forty-one zip was fantastic. <laughs> As a Jet fan, and how could you not? Oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Aren't yeah, my dad. Oh, my dad looked like a very well dressed member of the movie Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he looked like. <laughs> I, and you know, and, that, and uh, I have a great memory too. Uh, at that time, I was actually in the military serving overseas and uh, I was on watch and I knew they were playing and I thought they were going to get killed and uh, I came off watch I went to grab something to eat and I walked down to birthing and all everybody was just standing there looking at the TV and then they all looked at me 
and one of them waved me over and I look up at the score and it was like 35 or 30 something and nothing and I'm like I just almost dropped my drink on the floor I'm like what and I just sat down I couldn't believe what I was watching and then uh uh, they finished, they ended up knocking out the game, they blew them away, people were congratulating me, they're like, wow, I'm you know, being overseas, away from my family for all that time, and I, I just felt so happy from that, that was one of the happiest moments, you know, besides beating the cheaters, uh, a couple, you know, six, six or seven years. Oh, well, when we beat the cheaters the in cheaters. 2009, was it, that was 2009 we beat them? Oh, 2010, 2010 yeah. we beat, yeah, yeah, we beat, yeah, but that's, you know, unfortunately they had, I mean, that was our Super Bowl, because then we played the Steelers, yeah, that was euphoria yeah. beating them, and I, and I think they they they, they just, I don't want to say they let down, but I don't know. Just, and Mike, once again, me and my dad would like to thank you and everybody for your service. Oh, definitely. At yes. all times, you should receive a thank you from everyone in the nation. We just want to throw that Appreciate out to you, Mike. It. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Now, following our Parcells era, we actually, we didn't have that bad of a run. I mean, we had Al Groh, we had Herm, who was a pretty good coach. Herm, Herm wasn't a bad coach at all. Yeah, Herm... Herm was a better coach than people than people thought he was. Yeah, I liked Herm a lot. I liked and, Herm. He had a lot of intent. He had a lot of... And to me, Herm could basically yeah. motivate you to do anything. He could. <laughs> you play to win the game. Right. Remember that one? That's what he, he would say. But I'll tell you something. He was a cornerback for the Eagles. And I'll tell you, as, as tough as he coached, he was a tough, tough guy. Yeah. Herm Edge was, was a good cornerback. His man... I think that famous play, uh, Joe Pasachik. Oh, he, he got the fumble recovery. He got the fumble recovery, and yeah. he ran 80 yards. Oh, that was Herm Edwards. So Giant yes. Fantasy. Yes. Yes. I, I think one of the greatest attributes that Herm Edwards had, and also Rex Ryan had, is authenticity. These two men, they were real. Not that they loved Rex so much, and Herm as well, is because these two men had a had a philosophy and a way of trying to win, and, they, and it was an amazing thing to see. You know a leader when you see one. That's part of being a great coach. It's not just that oh, you got to have the players, this and that, but it, it, it's incentive. If you get like we, we should go back to Parcells and everything, you got to know how to win. Right. You got to know how to win, not just on the field, but you got to have the mentality. Yeah. The mentality of being a winner. Now Rex, Rex had him. Like I would say, always say with Rex, I know Rex is Mike's favorite coach ever, yes. and Rex, coach, Rex coach. can get a bad rap because I know the last four years we were either five hundred or yeah. below. Yeah. That's a shame. But also, if you look at it. He did something none of the no coach ever has done in, in, in Jets history. Two AFC Championship games he went to. He went to them back to back. He did it with a rookie quarterback. I mean, whatever you want to say about Rex, did know how to coach defense. He did bring us to our highest heights. We've been to in a really long time. The win versus the Patriots was tremendous. One very emotional for me. I had an out of body experience when we beat the Patriots that year because of course we lost forty five to three or something of that nature, Mike. Um, I believe earlier in the season of them, which we've talked about, was one of the low points in, in a really long time for Jet fans. And it leads to now, Todd Bowles, in the last couple of years, we sit here, Dad, we're looking to the future. Mm-hmm. We had a few up and down years. Todd Bowles had a 10-6 and six with Fitzpatrick. The next year wasn't yeah. as good. I know last year was a rebuilding year yeah. for the most part. And now, looking to the future, we have Sam Darnold. Yeah. I uh, mean, he is the highest we've drafted a quarterback since we drafted Joe Namath. So think about it. you've seen all this at the beginning with Joe, you've seen everything in between, yeah. and now all these years later, they draft Sam Darnold, number three overall. Between then and now, we've seen a lot of good quarterbacks, more bad quarterbacks. Oh, God, God. Yes, <laughs> but God, what, you, yes. what you've seen from Sam yeah. so far, do you like how he projects to the future? Yes. Do you think he's going to be a good quarterback? I do. I think he's, he's going to be a very, very good quarterback. He's going to be a very, very good pro. And the reason I see that is, like, when Joe, and I'm, I'm keep going back to Joe, but Joe was Joe, but you see Sam Donald was up. He's got two good knees. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I'll does. tell you, he can move laterally. I've seen him, I saw him come across the field, and he's throwing across his body, and this guy's throwing a rope. Yeah. 
And this guy has a tremendous, tremendous arm. And you and you watch him walk to the line, and he's looking over, and he's only 20 years old. Yeah. He's looking at the defenses, and, and he sees. And to be that young and that poised, okay, maybe... Maybe not this year. Maybe I bet we'll be to go eight and eight, whatever they go. But I'm telling you, he's going to learn. And he has a great teacher. Josh McCown. Josh McCown. Yeah, and Josh McCown is a great guy to have. Oh, him boy. Let me tell like, you. Like, Mike, Josh McCown's had every single job yes. you can have in the Oh, NFL. yeah. Back up to starter to uh, you name it. But one yeah. thing is that the man is a team player. And he will do what's best for what the team needs. And uh, Sam Darnold, everything that you said, Mr. Farrell, I completely agree with. The, the biggest thing for me really was... Uh, to see Sam's mentality on how he looked at as the team and he they asked uh, Sam when he first got here they said do you want to be the greatest quarterback of all time and he said no I want to be the best quarterback on the greatest team of all time and for a young man to say something like that already be able to see ahead of not looking inside himself I do think we're finally in a good position or in a position where I mean it's just taken us so long I understand Sanchez drafted sixth overall the difference between Sanchez and this draft is that in that draft there was Matthew Stafford and there was Mark Sanchez and there was no other quarterbacks. Right. There was nobody else. Uh, here he had, he had you know, four. This was Rosen, different. Uh, there, was different. There, was a, there was a lot of guys and yeah. I think the pedigree or the projection for a lot of these guys is higher than Mark Sanchez was. So we had no choice but to take Sanchez. I, I don't think we've drafted anyone like this in a really... Obviously we haven't drafted anyone this good in a really long time because we haven't drafted anyone this high since Joe Namath. But there's a lot of stock put in the mic. We know he's going to be the youngest starter yep. yes. week one in the history of the NFL. That's right. 20 years Which old. is unbelievable. And... You know, looking forward for the Jets, we finally have a bright light, Mike, and that will lead us to what's going to go on next Monday night, Yeah, which will be the Lions and the Jets, Sam's first game. Cue the music right there. <laughs> Lions, Jets, Sam's first yeah. game, national television, the youngest player ever week one, the whole world's going to be watching, no other games going on. I don't know, it doesn't seem like any of this has affected him yet. No. Like we said, Mike, it doesn't seem like anything has affected his poise or affected his approach in the preseason games at least i'm interested to see how that translates into the regular season now especially this week one and then two and three when all these games are bunched up yeah jets six and a half point underdogs in this game i see a lot of projections have them losing 24 16 loss for us i think the jets are gonna go in there and get a win this game mike what do you feel his grandfather is dick hammer he's ready to go he's not afraid of the moment he was born for this sam darnold played at usc he was in the spotlight he understands what it takes and he'll be ready i'll be honest with you, I think Matt Patricia is a jabroni. I think he's always been a jabroni. I don't think he's a great coach whatsoever. He's an overrated defensive coordinator while playing for the Patriots. That's why they got beat in the Super Bowl. It's surprising he got a team. Now, now let's just be real. The Detroit Lions do have a good offensive team. Golden Tate and Kenny Galladay, along with Kerryon Johnson, Theo Riddick with Matthew Stafford back there. Obviously, our secondary, the new Jack City that we were just talking about, will have their first test. I'll say this, Mike, to second you, is that if that's the lineage you have, if that's the DNA you have, pumping through yeah. you, you're unflappable. <laughs> I mean, with Dick Hammer, Keith. Oh, you you That's what I'm like. I'm saying, if you're if a road gamer in Detroit for a 21-year-old grandson of Dick Hammer, yeah. it's like me and you brushing our teeth. And I'm excited about that part. You know, starting off week one, we get to see him right away. They didn't wait around. They didn't mess around. Just throw him out there, Mike, week one. We're going to have these games bunched up. Get him into the mix yeah. right away. How about yeah. you, Mr. Farrell? What do you think? I'll tell you. Uh, I, I I think they can be very, 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 very competitive. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won. The, the word is poise. I've seen him come out, and even some of the, some of the veterans... Uh, 
some interviews on some of the sports shows and he said he commands the huddle he's 20 yeah he's 20 years old yeah, the guy yeah. commands the huddle he tells guys to be quiet he's i'm saying wait a second he's being a professional about it so yeah. i i think he's i, I think he's going to be fine and I, I think they could squeak out a win I really, I do, really I do. do. And then week two, real quick, they play the Dolphins after that, Mike, and then a quick turnaround to play the Browns. So no really, uh, you know, they're getting Sam right into it. No time to think. Get ready. Three yeah. games in 11 days. It'll be fun. I do think they're going to start out good and on the right foot. This Monday night game, I cannot wait for it, Mike. I'm very excited. They haven't been this to start a season off in a while. And, Mike, what do you think about the addition of Davis Webb to the Jets practice <laughs> You know, what do you, think you know, Giants fans feel the about first that? show that we were on, and I was saying, man, I can't believe the Giants went and took a running back, right? And all my Giant fans are like, well, Davis Webb, he's the future. He's going to be this. He's going to be... Well, guess what? Davis Webb is now a Jet. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Uh, on a practice squad, no less. <laughs> I mean, they really put all their eggs in one basket. They did. If... Uh, if if this guy goes ahead and gets hurt, Eli Manning, are they, they going to have yeah, the Tanny? Are they going to have Luletta r- trying to run this team? Yeah, that's that's the guy from University. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Not, not a bad quarterback, but a, but, but a youngster. You reminds yeah. me of Chad Pennington, to be honest with you, like a smaller, like a younger version. Yeah, but if you say you go to Richmond and you're good, it's the same thing as being like the the valedictorian in summer school. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you're good, but you went to Richmond. Let's let's pump the brakes, everybody, and relax, all right? I'm not going to get too crazy. I know there hasn't been many quarterbacks that have come from Richmond or any small school in the history of football <laughs> that really go on to make that too much of a mark. There's guys no one knows yeah. about. Like Tom Brady, fifth-round pick. Yeah, but he went to yeah. Michigan. Yeah, good point. Good you know, point. Joe Montana, third-round pick. He went to Notre yeah. Dame. You know, you don't have the guy from Richmond come. And I'm not saying you can't do anything. Stranger things have happened, yeah. Mike. But the guy who went to California, Davis Webb, who threw 30-something touchdowns his senior year. He's a, he, I'll tell you. He, and was tremendous. That seems like a different, interesting guy to cut bait on so quick. And now we got him. I said that. When, when I heard he was cut, I said, wait a sec. I said, he was good in college. I saw a couple of his games, Mike. He's got a good arm. Guys. Tell you, yeah. he, he's not a bad Guys, don't be surprised that Webb is Darnold's, <laughs> is Webb is Darnold's backup for a couple of years. You might be right. Let me, let me tell you something, too, Mike. Let me say it. When the Giants drafted Barkley, a lot of Giant fans back here were very upset. Oh, they yeah. wanted, they wanted Darnold. Yeah, I, I can understand I'm that. Telling you, yeah. Me and Mike have spoken that they'll rue the day. I think they're gonna rue the day. Oh, 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 trust me. And this, they ain't easy being podcast. We'll let them know. And Mike, hopefully, uh, in five or six years from now, they'll be an ain't easy being blue podcast. <laughs> and that'll be that'll come on right after our show, which we've changed now to it is easy being green. <laughs> Oh, let's just, uh, I don't, I, I, I want to save it, man. I, I just want to save it for, for when it happens. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Let me not get yeah. it myself. I want to thank my dad for joining us this week. My pleasure, thank. Michael, Keith. Thank you so much for having Absolutely. me. Thank you very thank much. You. Very esteemed, wonderful first guest. I think you hit it out of the park for your first well, time. Yeah, you, look, you, look, you get a little older, you get a little dusty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was a lot of dust. I think you're good. I think, oh, I think you could step right back off. Off the sideline, back on the fields, and operate an all-pro level again anytime you want. You did a great job. <laughs> thank you. Uh, we blasted out to everyone this week, as always, on the Elite Sports Radio Network. I want to thank everybody who's been supporting us the last couple weeks, you know, on social media, telling their friends about it, listening to us, downloading us, liking us, all those type of things. We do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Go ahead and give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you can, or any other type of platform. We appreciate that as well. Mike, you want to let everybody know where they can reach us on social media if they want us to Absolutely. Ahead. On Twitter, you can reach us at... 
A-E-B-G underscore NYJ podcast. On Instagram, you could reach us at jet.aebg. And on Facebook, you could reach us at aebg.jetsradio. You heard the man. On behalf of my dad, Andrew Farrell, and the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, my name is Keith Farrell. Get out, everybody, next week. Peace out. Are you ready? Can't wait. The New York Jets will beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Being very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Y'all beat us up. Darn an unbeliever.